Well, welcome to another episode of In Context, a ministry of Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm also joined by Josh Casey, pastor for discipleship here at Stonebridge. And today we have a very special guest with us on our podcast, Christopher Yuan from Chicago. Christopher from Chicago. And Christopher and I go back to grad school, actually, yep. uh, 16 years ago, My I goodness. think. Is that what it is? It really, I think that's, right. yeah, 2005, man. Yeah. Wow. Neither of us had gray hair then. I know, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was I, closer, though. I probably had a few. I just hit it. I was just getting out of high school. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. Oh, man. Uh, well, we are thrilled to have Christopher with us today. Uh, he's in town uh, for a special event our church is mm-hmm. hosting on uh, why sexuality matters. And Christopher has been teaching the Bible at Moody Bible Institute for uh, over 10 years and has speak, uh, been speaking on faith and sexuality um, all over the world, really. Five mm-hmm. continents, I think. How many years have you been uh, traveling and speaking on you this? You know, probably uh, a little bit even while we were at at Wheaton in seminary, okay. yeah, wow. so yeah, almost about around twenty years. That's amazing. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we we had the privilege of uh, hearing him talk about a Christian response to homosexuality last night at a special pastor seminar uh, sponsored by the Gospel Coalition. And in a little bit, by the time everyone listens to this, this will all be in the past, but in a little bit, he's going to be speaking about sexual identity here mm-hmm. tonight. And so we wanted to, to take the opportunity of while he was in town to, to pick his brain a little bit more on some of these topics. And, and um, uh, I think one of a, a good question to get us started is what, how would you describe the difference between gender and sexuality? Mm. It seems like both of those terms are obviously... Um, they come up a ton and and get lumped together often, and yet there also seems to be a, a distinction as well in, in some of the conversation. And so, as you think about this, as you teach on it, um, what kind of how do you help people understand the distinction between those two things? Yeah, it's a great place to start because I think you know, as as people of the word, uh, and as people who not only minister uh, the word. Uh, to people who we call to live the word, our, our word should matter. Mm. And, and therefore, we need to be very familiar with and, and conscious about the words that we use yeah. because words matter. And that means not only just like the, the actual letters mm-hmm. you know, that we use and the words, but the meanings and yeah. being familiar with the meanings behind it. Now, so, you know, if just kicking it off, it, it's great then we define our terms. Mm-hmm. And gender and sexuality is one of the most, you know, controversial, relevant issues of, of the day, yeah, yeah. especially looking at what's going on in government and legislation, but also in our public schools, watching our kids culturally, mm-hmm. in the church as well, as, yeah. as church are now uh, becoming more and more divided on this. So, and I think... I, I'm assuming that many of the people listening would be followers of Christ. Maybe some people are exploring. Mm-hmm. So maybe people uh, have a different understanding of gender compared to then the culture. Mm. The culture's understanding of gender is now a, a very subjective reality, okay. where gender is something that is fluid. Gender is something that is uh, that we choose. Something that is maybe formed by culture, etc. Whereas maybe others from 
you know, not being so much in this kind of secular conversation Mm -hmm. now, understand gender as basically male or female sex, something that's biological and objective. Mm -hmm. Before, gender used to be strictly something that is, that were synonymous, or the term gender was strictly in the, uh, in the kind of realm of literature and grammar, mm, you know, talking yeah, yeah, about, yeah. you know, the, 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 the gender, the, of, the this, gender of a noun. Yeah. Yet if you understand French, German, et cetera, English doesn't really deal with genders as much. But but now gender has become uh, almost the opposite or a, a different option mm-hmm. uh, or juxtaposed to sex. Mm-hmm. What well, You might have heard the term biological sex or your sex, uh, you know, your birth at sex. That's mm-hmm. when they're talking about sex different from gender. So sex mm-hmm. would be your biological genetic sex, which is yeah. objective. But then gender is something that is more a psychological reality of your self-perception of yourself. Most people, their sex and their gender would match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And the world calls that cisgender. I kind of sort of reject those categories yeah. because they're very secular and, and worldly. Uh, but then a person then where there is discordance between one's gender or self-perception and their sex, biological sex, that's mm-hmm. what the world calls transgender. Mm-hmm. And that is a true reality mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. where people psychologically have that. So any gender is more about whether a person is male or female. Yeah. And then sexuality is not so much about whether we are as an individual male or female or even whether we feel like we're male or female. Sexuality is more about attractions towards someone else. Mm. It, are these attractions towards someone of the same sex, the opposite sex, or both? And it and it seems like sometimes those two categories nowadays end up even clashing, even among progressives, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so to be able to champion certain uh, transgender causes puts you at odds with certain um, homosexuality causes. Is, right. is that an well, accurate and, and, observation? And, and that's what's so interesting because logically you're exactly right, but logic now is now being shunned and and skewed as mm-hmm. being outdated or mm-hmm. whatever terms, you know, oppressive uh, or patriarchal, all these mm-hmm. different terms yeah. as lo- logic being, but that you're exactly right. Logically, it does seem if if gender is purely subjective and mm-hmm. fluid, then what does that do with sexuality? Because mm-hmm. if sexuality is very specifically, uh, you know, toward one sex toward biological another, well, sex, ex- yeah. biological yeah. sex, then what does that mean? Yeah. And so logically, it would seem that they are at odds, but this is where this postmodern thought, where there are no categories and mm. we all have our truths and that's okay, where it seems like in, in this younger generation, they're just everything, nothing, there's no categories. And, there's, and so, yes, a person, you can have your truth and even I can have my truth about myself and they can conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay for mm-hmm. people, you know, it, that doesn't, it doesn't seem logical. But you have even unbelievers like J.K. Rowling, the, mm-hmm. the um, author for the Harry Her, Potter mm-hmm. series, yeah. and um, Martina Navratilova. Uh, is that what it is? I think uh, yes, that's close enough star, for me, the right. tennis one. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, where, where they were just like, no, wait a second. Skewered, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. and, and so Martina was because uh, the reality of now how a man could – uh, you know, who was born Compete, a man yes. and now has transitioned to, you know, what they call or so-called transition to mm-hmm. a woman, but is truly still a man and needs to take hormone blockers and suppressors to suppress the testosterone that is completely or that is continuing to be mm-hmm. formed. 
so that person is going to obviously compete and be at a higher advantage than women. And yeah. she was just speaking out mm-hmm. against it, saying, no, that's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. And she was attacked for Which that. Which is amazing. Yeah. And then she had to backtrack and, and, and ask for forgiveness mm. and, and then take back her words. Well, J.K. Rowling also was making the same statement, not so much from, I mean, she did sort of bring up the sports sports mm-hmm. uh, phenomenon or the, you know, the reality with that. But her point was just as a classical feminist. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is where also as you're talking about gender. And so feminism is also, you know, because feminism is, is about real categories, men mm-hmm. and women, even though they're equal. I mean, the whole case for feminism is that women are women mm-hmm. and that women are being treated different than, than men. And so there needs to be mm-hmm. equality, yeah, yeah, you know, but, but that doesn't mean that we're just completely that there's no differences. Yeah. You know, feminism is that. And she was just making that statement. Feminism is ground based on the fact that we're women. Yeah. And um, and if we erase that now, yeah, you cannot. It, you uh, you find yourself in a cognitive dissonance of, exactly. of not being able to uh, prom- you know uh, traditional causes that that are really running into each other, such that um, you know you're you're forced to choose or be canceled and and so right. on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly helpful when you say it's that it's important that we define our terms. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I mean, this is a lot of where all of these examples we're talking about. Uh, they go awry when we when we don't understand the logic behind mm-hmm. them when we when we don't understand that they they can't work together uh, we pretend they do we force them to right. um, and I think that's I think it's very troubling I, I just want to make sure before we go on because you introduce uh, in your in your recent book you introduce kind of a, a new term mm. Of, mm. Of, of holy sexuality right. and I think that's an incredible one but, but just before we get there I'm hearing you say that um, sex or sexuality it has to do more with attraction. Mm-hmm. And gender has to do with identity. Is that kind of just utterly reduced? Well, uh, I would say uh, sexuality. Well, mm-hmm. well, as, as we know, sex has two definitions. Mm-hmm. Sex seems to uh, generally mean the act of sex. Mm-hmm. And so the act of sex and sexuality is kind of similar. But then when we're talking about sex as in male or female, so a different definition, mm-hmm. uh, sex and gender are, are more closely related. Okay. So I would say yep. sex, male and female and gender is is kind of one area. Okay. And then sex, uh, the sexual act, uh, sexual mm-hmm. intercourse mm-hmm. and sexuality is another category. Okay. And they're related in a way, but they're also distinct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, which also is when people like to say we're sexual beings, mm-hmm. I, I think that brings a lot of confusion because mm. now the world has yeah. turned that into I need sex, yes. yeah. the, the, be, the behavior to live. And I reject that. I mean, mm-hmm. as we know, you know, as we look at, you know, uh, who we are as Christians in light of God's grand story and the consummation, the, the way that I read Scripture, especially partic- particularly in Matthew 20, 22, there's not going to be marriage in heaven, which in my you know, that mm-hmm. there would not then be any mar- uh, then any sex, sex sexual mm-hmm. intercourse mm-hmm. in heaven. So sex is just for the here and now. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm actually much prefer the term we're sexed beings. Okay. Yeah. In other words, yeah. that we're male or female. Yeah, that I I have observed that um, that confusion and even shared it sometimes listening to folks and someone's trying to talk about our our. By the fact that we are created male and female in terms of our sexuality, we are mm-hmm. sex beings. But yeah, and and others hearing that as you know, we uh, 
we have these attractions and yes. yeah. So I need to have those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's survive. a great clarification. I, and I think you're providing a lot of clarity in this. Just in this past, you know, few minutes here, this helps. This helps me even have proper categories and even you know share you know this conversation with others to say this is a little bit of where I'm thinking because a lot of mm. it lines up with some of where I'm thinking. So that's really helpful for the conversation. But I think a lot of people are are similar to me or or have been in the same spot of where it just seems like a whole bunch of words and a lot of <laughs> lot of unclarity yes. about what is happening here. I don't even know, you know, who's truth, what truth. I, I think I look at the Bible and we see something. But when I uh, engaged your, your book, uh, Holy Sexuality, I found the argument of that and how you develop that term to almost be like, the, the the clarity the light at the end to tell to say oh wait a second this makes sense I was I was trying to you know do option A or B and C seemed to be something so could you for those at home who, who maybe yeah. haven't heard the argument can you help us understand that can you define what you mean by holy sexuality yeah and and, and I also want to kind of also clarify that although this may be a new term that people haven't heard before I I feel like it's really nothing new it's mm-hmm. just naming something or giving a term to something that scripture has already been talking about. Yeah. And, 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 and in essence, it grew out of my frustration with the only paradigm that we knew about when we talk about sexuality, which is either heterosexuality, bisexuality, or homosexuality. And, and, and Christians, I think we've pigeonholed ourselves into this framework thinking that's that's the only way to think about sexuality. So therefore, as Christians, when we when we, we're considering, you know, what scriptural teachings on homosexuality and same-sex behavior, and we say, well, the Bible's very clear that it's sinful behavior, which it is, mm-hmm. then what's the opposite of that? Like, what's what's mm-hmm. then the goal of an individual, yep. a man or woman, who's coming out of same-sex relationships, who's coming out of the, you know, the gay community? Then what is our goal, either as ministers or as a Christian friend or a discipler, you know, and... and kind of, it seems logical. Well, of course, mm-hmm. well, if it's not homosexuality, then it's got to be heterosexuality. And actually, that's that's been the modus operandi of, for the church for the past several decades. Mm-hmm. A person coming out of gay, gay relationships, what we need to do is help them to become heterosexual and to mm-hmm. have them develop opposite such attractions, which then has developed or which has resulted in pastors and even ministers and counselors then making that as the goal and even celebrating when a man starts lusting after women and even using Mm. soft pornography as therapy Mm -hmm. wow because we've made heterosexuality the goal Mm -hmm. and it just didn't sit right and again i was a brand new christian and i'm and i'm thinking of this because i kind of hear these cues from you know heard these cues from the world and from the church i was like i just heterosexuality that that cannot be right and I, I just studied scripture more, and yes, how many examples throughout scripture do we have that, that the Bible is clearly calling out sin that's heterosexual behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's, you know, Samson and Delilah, or whether it's in the New Testament, uh, you know, Jesus telling the, the parable of the prodigal son sleeping, you know, around and, and wasting his money and or the woman at you know at, at the at the well with mm-hmm. sleeping with all those people and the last person isn't even her husband and mm-hmm. so we see that there's so many examples of heterosexual sin so it, that can't mm-hmm. be the category mm-hmm. it's the definitely the correct direction but too broad mm-hmm. and so I was like okay let me just start over and just say what is it that God is calling us to from Genesis to Revelation it's basically only two paths first when we are single to be sexually abstinent. Second is when we are married 
and again, I mean, unfortunately, since we're past the Obergefell decision, the Supreme Court decision that legalized same-sex marriage, I now need to clarify what I mean by marriage. <laughs> yeah. But marriage is only the biblical. Yeah. I'm just using the biblical definition of marriage that Jesus affirms in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, one man and one woman. So when you are married, how will you live? You're going to be faithful mm-hmm. to your spouse with the opposite sex. So mm-hmm. holy sexuality quite clearly is just chastity and singleness or faithfulness in marriage. It's mm. good. It seems that this is this is incredibly helpful. Um, it seems as though that you, when you when you move to this idea of of holy sexuality, that you're really pushing maybe m- more the idea of holy, and it shapes your sexuality, or it or mm-hmm. it gives the tra- the the trajectory of of your sexuality, the limits, the the boundaries, whatever it would be. And it seems like holy is actually much more. Uh, what is the qualifier is is really pushing the whole agenda, which seems when I open my Bible, it seems like that is a big point in in all of Scripture. Yes, uh, there. Uh, but for me, as I as I'm thinking about this, because I, I know that sexuality is is a lot of the conversation, especially you know in this conversation right now. But might there be trajectories that you see it, this idea of holy fill in the blank could help us just expand? Uh, how we may have a, a, an unfortunate black and white view of Christian ethics. Yes. Is there, do, you, do you see, as you've been talking to people or thinking through this, how that idea of holy fill-in-the-blank could help? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, as, as, I, as I give my testimony and, and I talk about, you know, I, I make the statement that the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality, but the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. And the next thing that I always say is actually the opposite of every sin is holiness. Yeah. So, for example, uh, an alcoholic, mm-hmm. our goal should not be that he simply stops drinking, that he's sober. Mm-hmm. No, our goal should be that he needs to be holy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if, if a person uh, is caught in adultery, my goal for him or her is not just to stop committing adultery. My goal is that she or he will be holy. That, that's a whole different, mm-hmm. I, I think, framework to think about because mm. I think often we just focus on, well, I, I need to stop sinning. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But is that the best thing that God has for us? I mean, like, like when we read, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words, and, and the way that he, he read that, be holy for I'm holy, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the Sermon on the Mount is be perfect mm-hmm. for I'm perfect. And, and that just adds a different dimension as well um, of, of kind of the, the, the broader meaning of what that is. And, and also, we, as, as we need to understand, holiness is not just about being sinless. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. But Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, has this uh, clear meaning of holiness as being set apart, especially mm-hmm. when they, Israel was such, they were not kind of, you know, Judeo-Christian values mm-hmm. were not the kind of norm in any country or world or whatever, but it was very unique, and God was so clearly telling him to be set apart. And, and mm-hmm. also thinking about holy sexuality, or like you say, holy fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is, we, we need to set us, ourselves apart from the world and the way yeah. that everyone else is acting and living. And and what a, what a great way to do that by living... Uh, uh, by setting ourselves apart from sexuality. Because, I mean, if you think about it, today in 2021, being chased as a single person, a single man or woman, being faithful as a married man or married woman is unusual, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and doing that is saying, I'm setting myself mm. apart for the glory of God, not in a, 
you know, uh, woeful, you know, uh, you know, I'm just suffering type of way, but in a really joyful mm-hmm. way to say I'm set apart by God to live in a way that expresses God, you know, and his glory mm-hmm. is is very unique. You know, in ancient Near Eastern times, um, the the worshipers of the local deity reflect the character of that local deity. Mm-hmm. So Baal worshipers, uh, they were violent, they were, sex, you know, sexually immoral because Baal was. <laughs> you know, and and the fact that Jehovah God was so pure and holy and, and faultless and uh, blameless was so different, which mm-hmm. why also then the followers of the one true God were also then so different from everyone else around, which, which also then, you know, reflects us now as... Mm-hmm believers of the one true God that we yeah. we are set up set apart from everyone else I think that's just so to me it's so it's so refreshing because oftentimes with you know in, in many conversations I've had with with other men um, there's 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 been this constant um, thought this weight of you know w- when it comes to our our sexuality and and it comes to morality it's I, I'm forgetting the comedy sketch where the, where the guy goes they go everybody goes into this um, to this counselor and his his reply to all of them is stop it <laughs> right. <And> just, <laughs> just stop, stop it. it. Don't do it. Yeah. And, and and it's always been like, so what do I do? Yeah. Like, do I just not do things? Mm-hmm. It seems like this is a zero mm-hmm. culture. This is this yes. is doing nothing. And and what it seems like you're saying is be holy. Yes. Like be that thing, I've but you're going that. even further and saying because it reflects the Lord yeah. God who is holy. Yeah. And that to me, that like that'll that'll that that'll go somewhere. Right. Uh, right. And it's supposed it's to go somewhere. And yeah. it's tough. And, and and particularly, you know, I I'm I'm glad now that, that there are more young men and adult men that are being honest about their own struggles. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even talking about same sex attractions. I'm talking about guys struggling with porn, whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes, and, and, and there seems to be more ministries and, and literature and resources out there to help. But like you say, it's it's kind of just, we can distill sometimes a book on pornography to this. Stop it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but stopping that needs to be replaced with something else. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, t- teaching at Moody, that's it's becoming just more and more common. These young men coming in, mm-hmm. I meet with them. And again, most of them don't even wrestle with same-sex attractions, but they're wrestling with other sexual mm-hmm. desires and lust for the opposite sex and wrestling with mm-hmm. pornography. And and sometimes like their goal is simply each day they wake up, say a prayer, God, just help me not look at porn or not help me lust or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I mean, that's a good prayer to pray, but if that's all we're praying, we could miss out yeah. on what God really wants us to do. And I said, yeah, pray for that, but help us to be more like Christ. Because yeah. if we pursue that, it's going to take care of everything else. But mm-hmm. you could try to pursue not sinning and really lose out on Christ. Yeah. That's good. And so related to that, as you think about your own story, as you think about conversations you've had with students or um, the countless individuals you've talked to as you've traveled and, and spoken, how... Uh, how does the gospel of Christ fuel that holiness? How do we take that standard that there's something positive we're aiming toward and building toward? We're not just trying to stifle something. We're trying to grow in something. How have you found the gospel of Christ to to kind of help make that progress? Yes, and that's a great question. And, and some of the writings of John Owen have been so helpful mm. because he really talks about that, about... Um, uh, you know, kind of gospel sanctification. Yeah. And um, 
Because a lot of times when the church talks about sanctification and and people write on sanctification, it really seems just like works righteessness. Mm. You know what I mean? When we're talking about justification, I mean, of course, we're going to reject works righteousness when it comes to justification and salvation. But then when it comes to like sanctification, that's all it is. Do this, do that, do your Mm -hmm. devotions, do this. And, 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 um, and and get a group of people around you to yell at you when you're not doing yeah, right, exactly to hold me accountable that I'm not doing exactly. enough right yeah. exactly so um, I mean it's those things are, are beneficial of course we need to have those people around us but uh, we have to realize that just as we can't save ourselves just as my works can never uh, gain enough to to merit being justified in the same way I cannot work myself to become holy mm. period mm-hmm. and as as hard as I try and and so this is and this is so personal for me as well like I know that as a reality I I just can't coming mm-hmm. to Christ was totally not I was not seeking after God but even now I'm not able to do this mm. And but that doesn't then like just end up well then woe is me I can't do anything, um, it's it's realizing and I, and I like how David Math, Mathis writes about it it's it's not so much these spiritual disciplines because when we talk about disciplines that's like it, it kind of has a connotation of works righteousness it's something yeah. you got to it's like do. exercise something <laughs> I should do but I don't really want to exactly yeah. right <laughs> uh, but if, so he talks about it as habits. Mm. of grace mm-hmm. that's good and and the way he, he he puts it is essentially spiritual disciplines habits of grace is we're developing these habits that what and what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in the path of God's grace mm. so um, that's good. It, it's developing these habits that don't sanctify me but it is putting me in the path of God's grace. So it's basically I'm choosing what, like, where I'm going to stand, and, uh, and and so these spiritual disciplines are not what actually directly bring sanctification, but it puts me in the path of God's grace, uh, which is related to the gospel, because yeah, the yeah. gospel is not just about how we are saved. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, well, share the gospel. Okay, you know, we're sinners. Jesus came to die for our sins, believe, you know, and, and yes, that that's what it is. But the gospel is so much more about mm-hmm. sanctification. The mm-hmm. gospel is something that we must rely on every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's because Jesus died for our sins. It is because we have been justified and now reconciled to him. We now have the... Uh, the 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 Holy Spirit indwelling uh, power mm-hmm. to then break free from the sin and our indwelling sin, as John Owen talks so much about. Yeah. See, and, and I think this, I, I love categories, so I'm, I appreciate. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm, I'm, you know, we're men and we like categories more. <laughs> Put it but, in a box. Yeah, I know. I have to have my boxes, and so it's it's really helpful to think about the doctrine of sin and different types of sin. You know, mm-hmm. we have actual sin. That's the most obvious one that you know we learn as kids or whatever it is or we teach our kids the actual sin sinful behavior but then we have the reality the reality of original sin mm-hmm. but then also it's indwelling sin as well you know mm-hmm. original sin the consequences of the fall and but indwelling sin it's it's those 
those sins in our lives and those temptations that are kind of ingrained mm. that that we wrestle with sometimes on a weekly, sometimes daily basis that we need to, as Paul says in Romans, you know, mortify the deeds yeah. of the body. Yeah. You know, and that's those are kind of these important things that we can think about how important the gospel is for our daily life as it relates to sanctification. So you, you mentioned two books there. Uh, I just want to make sure we capture those titles for anyone who's curious. John Owen. Uh, is that Sin and Temptation, or which yes. which is mm-hmm. the yeah, Overcoming the, Sin and Temptation? The, the one that has like his three books mm-hmm. and that has been um, kind of re- Taylor edited, and Capek yes, or something. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, and, and then Capek. what was the name of the? Um, the other one is David Mathis, yes. is the author Habits of Grace. Excellent. Yep, okay. and I mean, I, and I'll have to kind of put the caveat there. Habits of Grace is very readable. I think it's anything uh, you could give to even a newer believer. Mm-hmm. John Owens is... <laughs> it's um, a slog. It's yes, a slog. It's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, there's so many gems. But there, there's an abridged version that J.I. Uh, Packer edited oh, I know uh, that. years ago that is much shorter and more digestible. Okay, That's good. That's my go-to. I <laughs> didn't know that. He <laughs> just oh, removes that, any right. mention of sin. It, it, <laughs> right. it shortens it's the so thing way up. It's like five right. pages. <laughs> no. And I don't know how easy that old version is to find, but he wrote the foreword for it. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, uh, the foreword is worth the book by you, Packer, but um, wow, yeah, so I that's good. I didn't know that. I have to look at the, yeah. look for that. Um, so one more question, just kind of taking the theoretical down to the practical. So one of the common uh, conversations that people are are going to have in this world is a, a child or or even sometimes a spouse uh, sitting down and saying, you know, I I think I'm gay or mm. I think I'm bisexual or. Um, I'm struggling with my uh, identity and, and gender identity or something like that. What do you, what advice do you have for parents mm. or even spouses, which that's going to look a little different, obviously, but right. what advice do you have in terms of uh, do's and don'ts and just some general help to navigate that conversation with both the holiness of, of God and the grace of the gospel? Mm-hmm. Like what, what uh, help us out? Yeah. Well, the initial reaction from anyone is going to be shock. Mm-hmm. I, I know because there's as something as personal as that. If it's some someone that you know and love, you know your own child that mm-hmm. you've raised, felt like you knew that person. I mean, immediately it's be like I don't know you anymore. And particularly mm. like if it's if if, it, if it's a spouse, it's going to be I I don't know this person. So I mean, what I would do in the midst of that shock. Uh, don't freak out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Try to, uh, uh, you know, it, it, and, and the reason is uh, I, I'm not trying to say then just be fake or I, I'm just saying uh, from the other perspective, the one that's opening up, it's it's a very scary thing. Mm. And um, and it's, it's, it's just hard for both parties, the mm-hmm. person sharing and the person receiving. So what I'm saying is in that situation, what I would emphasize is a few things. First of all, thank them for, for sharing because mm-hmm. even though as shocking of a news as that is, I would much rather to know than not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So thank That's them. Good. And uh, it's, it's very hard for anyone to open up about that. Second thing, especially for a parent, is confirm that you love them Mm. because the world is telling them that your loved one, your Christian loved one 
will not understand you mm. and will not love you. Mm. So, and I know parents are always going to say, oh, my kids know. Well, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I, I'm, I know many kids' children have amnesia, right? <laughs> I mean, you tell them something, you know, one minute and five minutes later, they forget. Yeah. Same thing about love. Mm. And, and, and even, even more the reason is because kids are being told the opposite from the world. Yeah. From the schools, I mean, just the way that schools act, schools act uh, that it's better that the state raises children. Hmm. Parents do not know better. Uh, YouTube, media, Hollywood is communicating. Parents are ignorant, especially Christian parents are ignorant. So we need to reiterate that because it's it's the opposite message from the world. Mm -hmm. I love you no matter what. Hmm. And then be very careful not to follow it up with but. Mm. Many Mm. parents do that. I love you, but I don't agree with this. Hmm. When you say that but, you've just... It essentially erase what you said before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can save that for later, but but the thing is, don't jump to that conclusion yet. Maybe your child is saying, this is what I experienced, but I want to walk faithful to God. Therefore, what I would do after that, I mean, I love you no matter what, and what I would follow it up with is an open-ended question. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's just good. listen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and allow your child or loved one to talk. And ask very open-ended questions. You know, must have been really hard. Can you, you know, t- you know, tell me more about how, you know, how long you've been wrestling with this, and you know, whatever it is. But then, I, I think it's very beneficial toward the end to ask this. What I see one of the more important questions is, how does your faith in Christ fit into all of this? Mm. What we would mm. like to hear is, you know, my faith is strong. I don't know how uh, what what tomorrow is going to be like, or I don't know, you know. But mm-hmm. I know I, I'm committed to follow Jesus. I I have these attractions, but I'm not going to act on it. That's what we'd like to hear. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, many times with our kids, the conversation is different. Yeah. I don't know about my faith. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe. And then that's kind of another layer of mm-hmm. shock, of course, and grief. Mm-hmm. But even at that time, I would try to hold that in yeah. and, and just listen because at that moment, we, we want we want to just allow that conversation to be open because if we do kind of freak out, that mm-hmm. might then close the door for future conversations, which because ultimately it's not just about hearing them. Ultimately, it's it's about us having these gospel conversations yeah. and how the how the gospel influences our understanding of sexuality or gender and how our hope needs to be in Christ and how, again, as we talked about just a moment ago, it's how we pursue sanctification through that. Mm-hmm. So I think those would be some things that I would kind of suggest in that conversation. That's really helpful. I, I know I said that was my last question. Yeah, No, but I wanted to, to <laughs> clarify that that was a two-part question that I'm going to add the second oh, part to. Oh, you are, because so I had another part, part, part too. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> a two-part question, but as you were saying it, I, I, may, I had another question, and I know it was still the last question. So this is the second half of that question is, <laughs> What if you are a parent, though, that that has already botched that conversation? Mm, how do you good. how do you weave back in? Yeah, that's really yeah. good. I, I think especially with uh, older children, you know, maybe even teenage, you know, I think with younger, this may, might be a little different because as and again, I, I may be speaking not from so much experience, not being a parent, but I, I would see this if I were a parent. You know, when when you have younger kids, parenting looks different than mm-hmm. when you have teenage kids and 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 then older kids. Right. And because that that relationship changes in a bit, still parent child but still a little little different. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's more vulnerability that should be expressed as as 
children get older to, to exemplify what it means to be a Christian. Uh, so I think it's very appropriate, you know, especially when we kind of botched it and maybe overreacted or or gotten very angry, you know, and we could just apologize and say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm really sorry for the words. They probably hurt you uh, or whatever it is. I think those those are really appropriate and, and just say, I just want to be very, very clear. I love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and now with that being said, some if if this was a child that was very disrespectful and kind of in your face and very argumentative, it would be a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, where we need to be careful. And my parents does a, a, a fantastic talk that they call Ordinary Parents, Extraordinary Father. Mm-hmm. And one of their points is to love but don't enable. Mm-hmm. And that's really mm-hmm. tough sometimes for parents. How do we draw the line? Yeah. You know, and that is, you know, if we have a 19, 20-year-old child who's living in the home but is doing whatever they want and is being very, very disrespectful to the parents and very argumentative all the time and not paying rent or not doing whatever, still eating at home, still doing it, and, and the parents are paying for the car insurance, paying for everything, you know, their mm-hmm. car, paying for school. But, you know, that's when there needs to be more clear boundaries, say, you're always welcome at home, but that doesn't mean then that you could be disrespectful or whatever it is because, you know, this is a privilege to stay at home. Yeah. The, your, the home is always open, mm-hmm. but there's also expectations, mm. you know. That's good. That's, That's good. good. Thank you. So my part three to that last question. <laughs> <laughs> See how we do that? Yeah. Um, and uh, what would you say to the child or the student who is sitting there thinking, I need to have a conversation with my mm. parents or I need to talk to somebody like I'm wrestling, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. What would you say to them uh, mm-hmm. as they're on the other side of that future conversation? Yeah, I think um, one, th- one thing as a, as a child or young adult or teenager, if, if, if that were you, uh, you know, if you're listening now, um, I, I it, it's really clear because the enemy works best by isolating us. That, mm. I, I think that's one of Satan's best weapons is isolation. He wants us to think that no one can ever understand you. Mm. And, um, and that's just purely a lie. I, I, would, I would encourage, there's probably people, there's always people in our lives that can be there who can be kind of a soundboard mm-hmm. that we can talk to, whether it's a youth leader, or a youth pastor. But I, I definitely want to uh, keep it in the realm of a, of a, of a strong follower of Christ mm-hmm. that is someone that can guide us as opposed to just maybe someone who might just go to youth group and mm-hmm. kind of have a real shallow faith mm-hmm. or you know just kind of a Christian by name. Mm-hmm. But someone that can guide us uh, and, and to help us. But I, I think when... When an individual shares, that it's it's really important to not only express our experience, mm-hmm. but more importantly, express what is our goal. So, mm. for example, uh, a lot of times children would say, "Just mom, dad, I have same sex attraction," or sometimes they don't even have the words to say, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which is why having someone else that you share with is helpful because mm-hmm. then like, for example, I, I don't suggest using that term because mm-hmm. there's so much misunderstanding. Uh, I rather use terms that's very clearly uh, talking about our experience. I, mm-hmm. I experience same such attractions. I struggle with same such attractions, mm-hmm. uh, but then followed up with, you know, however, 
I'm committed to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm committed to not act on this. I'm committed to pursue holiness mm-hmm. because then that helps not only uh, you know so that our parents know where we are yeah. in our experience in our walk, but also what are we committed to? That's because good. oftentimes, if all we share is I have these feelings, then there's this big question. Well, what what does that mean? Right? I mean, that's the assumptions. next question. What yeah. does that mean? So, are yeah. you going to be out, you know, pursuing a same sex relationship? Are you now rejecting Christ? What does that mean? So, yeah. I think it's important to say what we experience, but also what we're committed to. Hmm. That's good. That's helpful. This has been a really, really helpful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time, coming in even a little early this afternoon before you now go and speak again. Um, really appreciate uh, you and your folks being with us this weekend. Again, Christopher Yuan, uh, if you'd like to learn more about his story, uh, he and his mother have co-authored kind of a memoir of mm-hmm. both of their stories of faith called Out of a Far Country. Um, it's excellent. I highly uh, encourage you to pick that up. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about some of what we were talking about earlier, uh, Christopher's more recent book is called Holy Sexuality, and um, you can find those wherever books are sold, I'm guessing. Yep, I'm not used to these little plugs yep. like this. but yeah. but um, uh, and, and do you have a website where people can, can learn more? Yep. It's and, just my full name, Christopher Yuan, Y-U-A-N. Dot com. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. We on. look forward to uh, joining you all again next week on another episode of In Context. Thanks. <laughs>